Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? We got an interesting email this week. He says, thank you for taking my call. You know, I really wanted to talk to you and then I chickened out and so I'm sending you this email instead. What I know is that I've not been 100% honest with my partner, and I'm getting ready to take a polygraph test, and I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should go through with it and perhaps get busted, or if I should talk with my partner now so that I do the right thing. Please help. Well, I've got to tell you, absolutely, you can't take the risk of getting busted, you know, Sexual addiction recovery is all about being honest. That means no matter how hard the work, no matter what the reaction, you have got to be honest. That is your recovery. You see, at the heart of sexual addiction recovery, it requires honesty. So I'm going to tell you to do one of two things. Get yourself a certified sexual addictions therapist or, for the sake of your partner, get an APSATS uh, partner therapist. APSATS stands for the Association for Partners of Sex Addict Trauma Specialists. Either one of those people should know how to do a formal disclosure so that you stop inundating your partner with information in what we call a staggered disclosure. That isn't healthy. It doesn't help. Oh, yeah, you can say, well, I'm getting honest, but not when there's hundreds of other honest things that you could be telling him or her. 
or 20 other additional things. It matters not. You've got to quit bludgeoning your partner with a staggered disclosure. So go to sexhelp.com and put in your zip code and find a specialist who knows how to do disclosures, formal disclosures, that is, or go to APSATS, A-P-S-A-T-S dot org, and look for somebody in your city. They're both trained organizations that can help you to do the right thing, to do it well, and hopefully to get you started on the right track. Now, you know, so oftentimes I deal with the listening audience and they don't know what to do about their situation, just like the man that just contacted me. He didn't want to be totally honest. And so my approach was, oh, no, I don't care how painful it is, how much you avoid conflict, be honest. Well, tonight we're going to be interviewing Dina Alexander. And she runs the website, EducateEmpowerKids.org. You know, she sent me a couple of books about how to educate your children about pornography. And she and I both know that exposure to pornography is inevitable for kids. And as a result... Parents need to head children off the path and talk to them about pornography. Because porn can have such an addictive nature and the way it can alter a child's developing brain, let alone affect the relationships in the future, we need to talk about healthy sexual development in children and we need to talk about, hey, how do you approach a kid? How do you warn them of the dangers and educate them about the harmful nature of pornography? Usually where women are the targets or victims of objectification, violence, degradation, and humiliation. So Dina is going to be talking about how do you do that, and I think this is really going to be an informative show, and here's why. If you're a partner or you're an addict and you have kids or you have grandkids, you need to be doing the next right thing. If you've looked at pornography in your home, I guarantee you, your kids are going to see it, they're going to read it, they're going to view it, and whatever you put on that computer is going to be accessible to your kids, even if you think you deleted it. And let's say you don't look at pornography. Let's just say that you're listening to the show because you referenced how to talk to your kids about porn. Well, this is a hard topic. I mean, people, a.k.a. parents, don't like to talk about sex at all. You know, if they talk about it, maybe they're giving permission for their child to to be sexual. So they don't want to talk about it. Or... If their children have gotten involved in something that makes a parent feel uncomfortable, they're afraid that if they talk about it on some level, it'll open up the gateways 
to experimenting more. Well, this is just not true. Communication is always at the root of helping a family work through issues. And I get that sex is uh, uncomfortable. You know, I, um, I had a very unusual upbringing. My mother talked to me about sex at age six. She talked to me about having periods. She talked to me about, um, she didn't talk to me about prevention, but she just talked to me about how you make babies. And what did I do? I think this is so interesting. What I did was that I talked to the kids on the playground and gave them the proper terminology and told them what to expect. And little did I know that that should have been left for the parents to do. Shame on me. But I didn't know. What I did know is that I had information they didn't, and I wanted to disseminate that. Kind of like, if you think about it today, kind of like what I'm doing with you. You know, sex addiction is not an easy topic to talk about. Pornography isn't easy. And I have made it my mission to help you navigate through this um, cultural phenomena. And so I was five, now I'm 62. Okay, we're looking at 57 years of education. And so I so appreciate the fact that I am here with you today talking about what you may not be comfortable talking about. And I'm going to talk to you about how to do that, as well as Dina Alexander, who, again, runs the program EducateEmpowerKids.org. Her books are on Amazon, and we're going to be talking about them, too. Now, let's say you don't have kids. Let's say you don't have grandkids. Well, that's pretty obvious if you don't have kids. I say that, but guess what? I don't have grandkids or kids. And what I know to be true is that I need to help other people to face facts and get real about what's going on in today's society. You know, you may have heard me talk about it a couple weeks ago. I was doing a presentation for the National Association of Social Workers here in Indiana and they didn't want me to do the presentation because ASECT, the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Trainers, feel like sex addiction doesn't exist. They feel like we as therapists are pathologizing a normal experience. And what I know to be even more important is that all we're doing is exposing people to our belief systems. And I've seen thousands of families disrupted, destroyed, damaged because of pornography, prostitution, massage parlors, frauderism, voyeurism, exhibitionism. You name it, I've seen it happen. And so that's why I'm here with you tonight. I want to help you through that process to get back on the right road and to do the next right thing. 
The other thing they said is that they feel like anybody who works in sexual addiction is probably in it for the money and has created this problem, not because it exists, but because we can exploit you and make money off of it. Now, I'm Carol the Coach, Carol Jurgens and Sheets. I've been doing this for 11 years. I so promise you, I don't make nearly as much money as my colleagues. I work twice as hard as they do. And you may say, well, Carol, what is the deal? You're a life coach. You're a business person. Why are you doing that? Well, because I personally am still using insurance, which pays me half of what my colleagues get. And because I'm the only person in Indianapolis who does sex addiction, I am working weekends. I am working 48 hours during the week. I work about 55 hours a week, not because I'm money hungry, but because I want to be available to you. So I find it hurtful and offensive that anybody would say that somebody with my professional degree, somebody who's gotten my certification, who is a certified sexual addictions therapist and who is a certified partner trauma specialist from APSATS would ever want to exploit the clients I work with. Hurts my feelings. Makes me angry. I'm not buying it. So if you end up hearing that ASAC, the American Association of Sex Educators and uh, Clinicians, actually counselors and trainers, don't believe in sexual addiction, hey, will you pass the word on that sexual addiction does exist, that it is a compulsive disorder, that although we're not in the DSM yet, like alcoholism wasn't for 20 years, um, it will be world-renowned with the ICD-10, which is what is the billing agency internationally. And um, just know that I'm somebody who has your back. And that's what I want to do for you. I want to have your back. I want to make this, I want to bring you the tools that you will need to combat this issue. Because if you're an addict, you hate yourself, you hate your behavior. And if you're a partner and you love an addict, you're so confused, you're shell-shocked, you're angry, you're having flashbacks, you're triggered, you're dealing with trauma, and... There is no worse betrayal than partner betrayal. I promise you that. Our husbands and wives are supposed to have our back, and we're supposed to be able to trust them. And so that's why I so oftentimes talk about the fact that it is important, it is essential to understand how you can make yourself safe, educate yourself, and figure out how to combat this epidemic. If you're a sex addict, if you're a partner, if you're a parent, if you have children who have used, 
you need to know what's the next right thing to do. And I got into this business because I had superintendents all over the state of Indiana calling me because kids were having oral sex on the bus, kids were taking videos of it, and they didn't know what to do. Do they prosecute? Do they punish? Uh, do they address the, the entire school? What do they do? And that's when I said, okay, I definitely need training because I'm Carol the coach, and I don't know what to do either. And that's one of the reasons that I've done this show. That's one of the reasons that I believe we need to talk to the experts like Dina Alexander, who runs EducateEmpowerKids.org. And again, that website is www.EducateEmpowerKids.org. So, Dina, welcome to the show. Hey, Carol. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. You and I both are of the same philosophy. We believe that exposure to pornography is inevitable, no matter whether you're a porn-free family where kids are going to find out about pornography at school or whether you're a family that's had sexual addiction and perhaps the kids have seen what mom or dad have seen in the past and they've been exposed to that pornography, you know, it's definitely necessary to talk to our kids about that exposure So let me ask you, how did you become involved in this movement? So it was a really interesting, simple phenomenon for me personally. I was just reading a Facebook article one day about teen porn consumption, and I was so blown away with it. I didn't believe it. At the time, my oldest was in the seventh grade, and I just didn't believe that this was how bad it was. So I started researching like crazy And I just realized, oh, my goodness, this is a huge problem, and my kids are going to be exposed. And I also realized there was going to be nobody left for my daughter who wouldn't expect porn sex from her at some point. I realized how saturated the culture was, and it just was like a fire inside me. And I just felt like I have to talk to every parent I possibly can from whatever background, like you said, whether they are homeschool parents or homeschool family, public school, private school, rich, poor, liberal, conservative we're in such a culture that is so saturated by a porn culture, so hypersexualized. All of our kids are going to be affected by this for now and in all of their future relationships. Well, and I absolutely agree with you as well as, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that there is nowhere on the media that where you can see healthy um, information, you know, if you look at videos, if you look at award shows, if you look at Entertainment Tonight, if you look at sitcoms, there are mothers and daughters wearing clothes that have cleavage and Daisy Duke shorts. And, you know, it's like we are all sexualizing our families, our kids, let alone the porn industry. So tell me a little bit about, you know, you absolutely believe that it's important to start talking to kids about the dangers of pornography, and that's what motivated you to start Educate and Empower Kids. How did you get it started, and um, what is this website? 
So when I first started, I kind of first thought, oh, I'm going to do a few lessons and I'll just put it on Pinterest and then pat, pat myself on the back. And then I kind of started looking for parent resources. I felt like there was nothing really out there that wasn't really shameful and that just wasn't super helpful, wasn't practical, wasn't, you know, just everybody just hinted to it. It wouldn't come out and straightly say, these are the things you need to talk about and this is the kind of home you need to create so that your kids will want to talk to you. So I gathered some friends, therapists, people from IT background, and started developing the website, started developing the books. And I realized, okay, I can't even get people to talk about sex. How am I going to get them to talk about pornography with their kids? So our first set of books were called 30 Days of Sex Talks, Empowering Your Child with Knowledge of Sexual Intimacy. And we have those for age 3 to 7, 8 to 11, and 12 plus. And, of course, we've had people who are like, oh, my goodness, you're going to talk to a three-year-old. And I was like, it's almost, it's, it's protective information. You know, I'm not giving them a tutorial on how to have sex. It starts out with very protective information and building those, that trust and helping those building blocks and that foundational relationship so that when you are ready to talk about the tougher stuff like pornography, you've already established yourself as a source and you've already made yourself, your, that your kids know, oh, I can talk to mom about this stuff. So then after that, we wrote How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography, and that has information for people with younger kids and people with older kids. And so, you know, I've never, I don't write any of the books by myself. I have a team of people that we do them together, that we test them on parents and therapists so that we get different perspectives. Because I don't think that there's any one expert that is perfect. You know, all of us are learning, growing, the culture is changing so quickly. We have so many different backgrounds in our culture that we're trying to help, you know, as many people as we possibly can. Well, you know, I so understand that. And when I talk and when I give presentations about pornography, I will occasionally have a parent that says, you know what, I learned about sex through pornography And it didn't damage me. I I don't have a sexual addiction. I I feel like I'm a healthy individual. And, you know, one of the things I know is what somebody grew up with 40 years ago, even 20 years ago, is not the same pornography that kids are being exposed to today. I mean, kids are being exposed to gang rape. They're being exposed to asphyxiation through oral sex. It is a violent sexual culture out there. So tell me a little bit about how you decided that you were going to share education with the parents. Well, it's just like you said, you know, like when I first started researching this, I was realizing that everything that, you know, about my sex life, the things that I fantasized about, the things that I found attractive, that I had received from media, whether that was R-rated movies or whatever growing up. And that frustrated me that I felt like, again, for myself and then for my children, that I couldn't even come up, I wasn't able to, I wasn't allowed the freedom to come up with my own healthy sexuality on my own. That basically, because I was bombarded by different images, that that is what helped form my sexual template. And that to me was, that's not right. And it's the same thing for our kids that I just have felt like this is not right. They should have a chance to find out for themselves what turns them on, what they like, what they want in an intimate relationship, not what an industry has forced upon them, you know, and it's no accident that they are being exposed at every turn. You know, this is a deliberate, you know, 
action by the porn industry to hook our kids young. They, the research is out there, you know, that they are, they are hunting our kids, you know, and that is, that is not right. And that is not healthy. You know, we can say, Oh yeah, you know, I was fine. And I'm like, I look at it. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I have a very healthy sex life. I've been married for 21 years. I'm very happy, but I also, you know, it's very different. Like you said, what we were exposed to as kids versus what our kids are being exposed to now. My kids are now 17, 15 and 12. And the things that we discuss at the dinner table that they're being exposed to at school is insane, you know, and it's heartbreaking that, again, they're surrounded by kids whose parents do not talk about these things, that have unlimited access on their phones to see whatever, to do whatever, and they are forming extremely unhealthy ideas about what love is, about what consent is, about what a relationship is. And I just feel like we as parents, we can do better. Absolutely, 100%. So... Obviously, you took it amongst yourself. You felt this passion to assist parents in in talking to their kids about sex. And let's face it, parents are uncomfortable talking about sex anyway, let alone media sex, pornography, um, that kind of thing. So what do you recommend for parents in terms of beginning these discussions? That's a great question. There's several, because I think, again, people feel like they, they feel scared because they think, okay, do I need to explain everything in pornography? Or they think, oh, I have a five- or a six-year-old, and I'm supposed to start right at penis and vagina. And I always say, no, you know, you're going to start where you're comfortable because you're building what your home, how you want to discuss these topics. And it can start out very simply where maybe like if it's just a pornography discussion, and the first thing I think that's important is to help your kids understand what you mean by pornography, to define it for them, especially if they're little. And I know, again, people think, okay, four, five, six, that's too young. It's not, especially when we're handing our kids devices and to play on, or they're playing a game on it, or they're on an app, or they're on their laptop, a tablet, all of these things, they know better, they know how to use these items better than we do. And they can very easily be exposed. And so that's why we want to discuss it first, hopefully before they're exposed, so that they have an understanding of what to do when they see it so they are not scared. So I feel like for younger kids, you know, it's really, and it doesn't have to be, like I said, like a huge definition. It can just be something as simple as telling your young child, you know, pornography is pictures or videos with people with little or no clothing on. And if they understand that, you can even add, you know, and usually there's sexual behavior in that. And so they know something, and if it makes you uncomfortable, come and tell mom and dad, you know, and then help them understand just real simply what it is. For older kids, you can obviously go into more detail as far as helping them understand, like, you know, this is only, this is done solely to make money, that yes, this industry is targeting you as a tween, as a teenager, that they that there is nothing special or intimate in pornography, that it is simply an act, you know, devoid of empathy, that it is without, you know, compassion and love, that it is an industry that harms people, that harms the people making it, the women that are being abused in there. You know, you can have those further discussions with older, with, with teenagers and older tweens. They understand that. They will understand abuse. They understand those kinds of discussions if that's where you want to lead that. But I also feel that a discussion of pornography, you have to talk about its opposite. We have to talk about healthy sexual intimacy, again, so that they understand when they see pornography, wait, that's not right. 
right? That's not how sex is. No, women don't really want to be treated like that because they've had an understanding and several discussions with you about what healthy sexuality looks like, that it's consensual, that it's done with love, that there is hand-holding and caressing, that there is a progression of steps that lead to sex, that it's not something you do on the first date, that it is something that is done hopefully with a commitment and with that, and how the different ways it affects us, the physical um, aspects of it and the emotional aspects. You know, I think we tend to get thinking like, oh, I taught the mechanics, I taught them about STDs and pregnancy, I'm done. It's like, no, that's what the public school system is going to teach them. But they, that, that's one tiny picture of sex, and we, again, can do better, where we want them to know how important this is and that it is special and that it is worth waiting for. You know, something that clicked with my daughter is when I told her, I said, I don't have any girlfriends who have said to me, man, I wish I had had sex earlier. Man, I wish I had started younger. I don't have one girlfriend who has ever said that to me, that they wish that they had had sex as, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. They regret that in how that was. And so that kind of helped my daughter understand, again, that they're not ready. You know, that her boys that she dates, they're not ready. And she's not ready for this kind of tense, special act. So those are some places that parents can begin. Absolutely. And talk about the books that you have developed, because let's face it, they're hearing you today and they're thinking, wow, I would like to have that kind of maturity to talk to my kids. And then tomorrow, that anxiety will come back in their stomach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so they're called 30 Days of Sex Talks. And people sometimes are think, oh, my gosh, I don't want to talk about sex for 30 days. <laughs> right. Oh, you don't have to do it every, every day in a row. And these are simple five-minute lessons. I, when I show people the books, I say, you should look at this for five minutes and give the lesson. Like, it should be that simple. We've broken the discussions up into very small parts so that it's not overwhelming for you and so that it's not overwhelming for your kids. So in the age three to seven book, like I said, we cover very simple topics like how amazing your body is. Uh, my favorite lesson in that book is called My Body Belongs to Me, where we talk about forced affection and how my body belongs to me. And I don't have to, I don't have to kiss my grandma if I don't feel like it, you know, even if it's going to hurt her feelings because my body belongs to me and I'm not going to, I'm not being forced to give affection to anybody. Uh, we talk about, you know, appropriate touch. We talk about predators. We talk about um, romantic love in the most basic sense because, again, that is a nice foundational discussion for when they're older to help them distinguish between the friends that they care about and falling in love someday with a partner. Um, we also talk a little bit about gender because we talk about play, how are boys and girls alike, how are they different. And then, of course, even in that young book, we talk about pornography in the 8 to 11 book, we kick it up a notch where we talk about some of the similar topics that we did in 3 to 7, but we add more information. Both of them talk about anatomy, but in the 8 to 11 book, we start talking about uh, sexual identification. We also talk about masturbation. Again, they're very simple, and we don't say this is good, this is bad, because we feel like this is what parents, they need to establish that standard in their home. If they think masturbation is okay, then they need to say that. If they don't, then they need, they need to say that. Because at the end of the day, who cares what I think? You know, who cares what Dina Alexander thinks? I'm not running for office, and I'm not the mother of your children. You are, and you're the most important voice in your home. 
So we want parents to discuss those things and their feelings, their values there. We talk about curiosity. We talk about my favorite lesson in this book is about healthy relationships. Again, giving the kids that building block of, you know, what a healthy relationship looks like so they can start making those distinguishing factors. And again, so when they see pornography, they will understand, no, that's not healthy. That's not a healthy relationship. These are probably the only sex talks books out there ever written by a group that is anti-pornography. You know, that's where we come from. We come from that, that, that viewpoint, that paradigm. We also talk about being media savvy and body image. You know, again, one of those discussions that you're not going to get in a public school is how does sex affect our body image and how does body image affect our sex life? You know, again, just those building blocks. And then in the 12 plus book, we get into some much deeper topics. We talk about more aspects of emotional intimacy. We even talk about orgasm. We talk about, again, being media savvy. We talk about shame, um, sexting. We talk about social media, sexual identification, masturbation. We talk about the double standard between boys and girls. We talk about what sex looks like in a committed relationship versus hookup sex, STDs, birth control. But we, um, again, our focus here is on intimacy. So that's our 30-day books. Um, we also have, like I said, our book, How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography. And this has some really great discussions for parents with younger kids and older kids. We have the first few lessons in here. I would say the first three lessons are for the parents. You know, what are some common questions? You know, where should I start? Should I address one topic first or several you know, how do I build a foundation of trust in my home? How do I create a safe place to be talking about this? And then we start going in more to, okay, we need to define pornography. We need to validate our kids to help them know that their curiosity is normal and is a good thing and they're supposed to be curious, you know. But we also talk about this industry that's targeting them. We have a run plan for kids, for younger kids particularly. What do I do when I see pornography? Then we also discuss, you know, where kids are going to be exposed. And I think it's important we have some simple ways of helping parents dis- determine if their kids, if they are looking at pornography, if they have a habit, or if it is becoming an addiction. And then we also have some mature discussions. And these are not sexually mature discussions. They're just things that like a five-year-old wouldn't understand, you know, where we discuss the hateful nature of pornography. You know, a five-year-old is not going to understand that discussion, but my 11, you know, my, when he was 10, 9, we had some of these discussions that they could understand how pornography dehumanizes people. You know, why a woman is never a woman in pornography, why she's a girl, a slut, you know, or much worse. So a lot of discussion questions. We're really big on discussion questions um, in our books where we have just plenty of that help parents kind of like, jump off and then I at least I feel like you look at one or two of the questions and you can come up with three or four of your own. We also have children's books. Um, our newest books, one is called Noah's New Phone, a story about using technology for good. And that's because we have felt and seen, you know, this we're such a tech tech saturated culture, but we have got to teach kids ways to replace the pornography. It's like, okay, if they're not just going to be looking at porn and gaming and scrolling through social media, what are the other amazing things that they can do with phones? And teaching our kids from a young age, what are the good things that we can do? 
we also have another book called Petra's Power to See, and that book is about media literacy. So how do we read media? How do we read advertisements? How do we read social media? What is the message being sold to us from our friends and family members on social media? What are some of the media illusions that we see, especially with beauty ads? And all of these discussions are great because, again, they help you be more media literate Again, so when our kids are exposed to pornography, they have a better understanding. They're better able to reject it and to see, again, this is not real. This is not right. This is not something that's healthy. So we have just tons of resources. Everything is available. All of our books are on Amazon, and they're also on our website as well. Well, obviously, you come from a place. I don't know if you got to hear my opening segment, but... One of the things that certified sexual addiction therapists have been accused of via um, ASACT, the American Association of Sex Mm -hmm. Educators, Counselors, and Trainers, is that we are porn negative and that we're pathologizing porn and that we are, um, when we pathologize porn, we're creating a problem that, in essence, creates business for us. Now, we are supposed to be pornography neutral. I will not I will not discuss my own personal preference, but I hear very clearly that you're an organization that believes and knows that pornography is not good because of the objectification that occurs and and the violence. So, have you had to deal with organizations that see you as prudish or think that you're generating your own money have you have you had to deal with that at all there very little I've always but I'm always surprised at where it does come from you know like um, I went to the national um, sex ed conference uh, that's put on by Planned Parenthood not this past December but December 2016 I went and you know when and it was all sex educators obviously and they saw our books and I, be, I got so many compliments. These people were like, oh, my goodness, where have these been? Like, oh, finally, oh. Somebody, has sex, somebody has sex ed books that are talking about pornography but that are also talking about media literacy and sexting. You know, and I went to that conference, and I, I went to one session. I was like, I cannot believe that you guys have almost nothing to deal with that you're talking about um, technology. And I'm like, our kids are doing everything but the act on technology and I'm looking around the room and everybody else is nodding their heads with me and this is with like a panel of the organizers of the whole conference you know and this is national planned parenthood and they're a step behind do you know what I mean like so I take everything from these different organizations with a grain of salt because none of us are perfect and I have to accept that they're doing their best and that I'm doing my best and they're coming from their own place where maybe they were shamed or that they had problems. And I remember at that conference, I only had two people want to argue with me about, say, the addictive nature of pornography or anything to deal with pornography. And one of them said to me, oh, well, you need to look at feminist porn. Feminist porn is great. I started laughing because I was like, my work is for children and teenagers. I said, I do not know one teenager that is Googling feminist porn. You know, I was like, that is insane. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, this is not what we want to be teaching our children. Like, for adults, you know, I always say for adults, if that, that you're on, you know, you need to be making that decision. Your brain is done developing. 
and you go ahead and make the choice that is best for your home and for your relationship. But when it comes to kids whose brains are still developing, we have to do everything we can to protect them and give them good, healthy, useful information. And for me, that is about avoiding misogynistic views of sexuality. You know, I've looked before I got involved in this, you know, I thought to myself, what is the big deal? Why are people so upset about pornography? Like, what is the problem? And then I saw it and I'm like, it only took me a few minutes to realize that this was, to me, in my personal opinion, um, hate speech against women. You know, that this was so hateful that everywhere I looked in pornography was a woman in a position of powerlessness. You know, I had always been taught that it was a man's fantasy to have more than one woman at one time. Well, I looked in pornography and it was always more than one, it was several men and one woman. And I was like, that is about power. That has nothing to do with sexuality. That is all about power. You know, it's kind of like when, you know, you're young and, you know, the first times you're hearing about rape and you're trying to figure it out. And then when an adult informs you that, you know, rape is not just about sex, that it's about power. And I know that for me as a, you know, 11, 10-year-old learning about that, that blew my mind, that I was like, whoa, that that was where, that's the frightening piece, right? Where right. That it is about power, that it is not just about sexuality. And that's, again, where I have heard interviews of these pornographers when they talk, you know, and I heard one of them, um, he's a notorious one, his real, I don't remember his stage name, but his real name is Paul Little, and he has some of the worst pornography in the world out there, some of the most violent stuff. And they asked him, the interview was like, oh, what's like, what do you really enjoy? And he said something about like, I really like when I see that, that look in the, the woman's eye, that it is, that she realizes she's in for a wild ride. And I realized what he was saying was he enjoyed the fear that he saw in these women's eyes because they pushed them further than maybe they had agreed to, right? Whatever they had signed up for, they were pushing them 10 times further. And he was enjoying the part where this woman had a look of terror in her face. And so, again, power and control. Exactly. And so to me, it's like, you know, I look at that as, you know, again, I don't make any money from my organization. And so it's like any, any, organization could approach me and say, oh, you're trying to create more business for yourself. That to me is hilarious. You know, my husband and I at first paid for everything, the creation, the publication of these books, paying our staff, creating the website. And now that the books, you know, are being sold and like we have, you know, say a great social media following, et cetera, I've never taken a salary. I've never taken a dollar. We, we just continue to donate and then we get donations from other parents who understand the importance of this issue and so you know a group could definitely they could say whatever they want but to me it's laughable you know my mission is about helping and talking to every parent I can to help their kids develop and have the best chance they can at a healthy sex life well you got it and so now let's go over one more time for our listening audience that wants to know how to discuss pornography with kids let's kind of do that developmentally Uh, as you and I both know parents don't even like to talk about sex let alone talk about pornography and they don't know where to begin so where is a good place to begin defining pornography and helping kids understand the curiosity that's normal and natural between well about seeing that kind of stuff 
Yeah, I think it's important for them, again, to validate. And it's something that, you know, I know that for me, um, that we, you know, I often think that, oh, I told my kids this one time, so I'm done, right? (laughs) And we have to realize that, no, these are things that we're going to, again, we need to layer these conversations. One, we're going to start it. So I'm not going to wait for my child to ask me these questions. That's what I was taught as a young mom. Oh, wait for your kids to ask you these questions. We don't say that anymore. We don't believe that anymore. It is about I need to establish myself as a source. So I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be casual. And I'm also another great tool that a parent can use is what we call the safe zone. So that's we say, hey, if you say the words safe zone, you may ask me or tell me anything you want without getting in trouble. So you can ask any question in the world in the safe zone. And that is where we can talk about anything that you might find embarrassing or difficult to talk about. And you have to be consistent. You have to remind them that they have this safe place to talk about. Then, again, like you said, we need to define it. So helping them to understand what it is. And they're going to, once you start talking about it, they're going to bring stuff up to you. You're going to be driving in the car. They're going to say, they're going to see an advertisement and they're going to say, mom, is that pornography? Or mom, look, that's pornography. And then again, that's a great discussion. You know, maybe it's a scantily clad woman. It's a woman in a bikini. And then you can just, you can help them and say, well, no, maybe she's not covered up, but it's not, you know, that might not be pornography in my, you know, point of view. And again, that's going to be family by family on what they feel is pornographic and what is you know, what is just regular advertising or what is PG-13 or R-rated. Um, I think it's also really important for parents to figure out what it, their own issues with sexuality. You know, most people have some, when I have parents, at, when I speak at presentations, they, I have a lot of nervousness and people, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to say that. But once I start talking with them one-on-one, and trying to help them figure out what part of this discussion that they're terrified of, it's usually something very small, or it's just one piece of it. You know, maybe they do have a partner that has an addiction to pornography, or they themselves have had a concern or an issue in their past. Then they, again, I tell them, well, then that's not where you're going to start. You're not going to start right with that discussion. You're going to start with the discussion that you are comfortable with, where maybe the discussion is just going to be about affection. Maybe the discussion is just going to be about what a healthy relationship looks like. You know, again, for maybe that school-age child. And then that can lead into a discussion of media and how, again, not just in pornography, but in most of television, how they're not portraying healthy views of families. You know, how many dumb fathers are we seeing on television? How many women do we see as portrayed as wives who are hiding something from their husband or that their husband is the butt of the jokes? You know, this this is ridiculous and it gets old. But I like to call attention to that with my kids say, do you see how that's not real? That's not what a real relationship looks like. Like it might make a funny joke for a sitcom, but that's not any of the families that we know, right? And so we'll have, so there are many different discussions that can lead into this where we talk about, hey, you know, it's normal to be curious. And then to keep it simple for younger kids, I think it's important to just to discuss that run plan to help them understand, okay, what should we do when we see pornography? You know, we've defined it. We have validated them that, hey, you're going to see this. We want to discuss, well, what are some places that we might come across this? Is this on the school bus? Is this going to be at a friend's house, at a sleepover? Is it going to be on our own computer when we're doing homework? Is it going to be 
um, on Netflix, you know, where where are we going to come across this? You know, and so you have those discussions, and then you you arm them, you protect your kids. Okay, so where what should we do when we see it? And then you have that discussion. So we want our kids, you know, the run plan, it's, you know, R is recognize what you've seen. Okay. Oh, I've seen pornography. The second part is understanding what you've seen. And that involves talking to mom and dad about it. You know, that we want our kids to come and tell us, well, what did you see? You know, what, how did that make you feel? Because we'll have kids that are sometimes traumatized, but also they might be traumatized and simultaneously aroused. And we don't want them to feel shame about that. You know, we want them to know that that's a normal reaction, you know, and that we want to put our arm around them. You know, I always, again, when I speak about this, I talk about before I was involved in this, I had a child that um, looked at pornography and I had another child. I had two of my three kids had seen pornography and I handled one of them with a hug and I handled one of them with yelling. Guess which one went better? Right? Which discussion went better? The hug. Which child? Which child came back to me? Yeah, more easily for these discussions. Right? It was with the hug, of course. You know, and so we need to be thinking. I look at this as our kids are being targeted, and of course they're going to see it. And so we need to put our arms around them and say, "I'm sorry that this happened to you. I'm sorry that you were targeted by. You know, I'm sorry that you had to see this. Even if again, even if they're a middle schooler." And they were just completely aroused by it and nothing else. And they were fine with seeing it. They need to know this was not done by accident, that this is, you know, just like on Facebook when they are using algorithms to watch everything we do and watch our spending habits and where we're clicking around. The porn industry is using the same technology to follow us, to follow our kids, to find where we're at and to target us and to help us click on their websites. And so, well, again, hundreds, helping them understand, like, this is not their fault. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say 100%. So now let me ask you, again, your website is www.educateempowerkids.org, and your books that you have available can be bought at Amazon. And I'd like for you to share one more time what they are. Sure. So the books, we have 30 Days of Sex Talks, for ages 3 to 7, ages 8 to 11, or 12 plus. We also have How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography. We also have a book called 30 Days to a Stronger Child, which we look at as an addiction prevention tool. It is about filling your accounts, physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and social accounts so that we're not seeking after addictive substances, addictive behaviors, that by keeping our accounts full, we're, we're protecting ourselves as much as possible. Then we also have four children's books. We have Noah's New Phone, a story about using technology for good. We have Petra's Power to See, a media literacy adventure. And then we also have two body image books, one for boys and one for girls. It's called Messages About Me, Sydney's Story, A Girl's Journey to Healthy Body Image. And then we have Messages About Me, Wade's Story, A Boy's Quest for Healthy Body Image, and those both discuss how media messages and how messages from family and cultural messages can affect our body image. And all of the kid books have the story, and then they have tons of great discussion questions and activities in the back. The 30 Days of Sex Talks, those have great discussion questions, as well as how to talk to your kids about pornography. And the 30 Days to a Stronger Child, that has discussion questions and activities to do, and those can be used from, you know, the 30 days to a stronger child can be used from age 
five to 15. It can be modified in a lot of different ways. The How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography is generally a great book for parents um, who have kids ages five to 15 as well. So now are you available for consultation if a parent has a specific situation or wants a little extra guidance? Do you, um, are you available for them? Yes, if they, they can either message us on our social media so they can see us on Instagram or Twitter under the, um, the handle at edu-empower-kids, um, on or they can email us, info at educateempowerkids.org. All together, you know, one word, no hyphens, no underscore, just info at educateempowerkids.org. And then, of course, we're on Facebook as well. They can message us on Facebook, Educate Empower Kids. And so there's, there's many ways to reach us. And we get questions all the time, and there are just so many unique situations. You know, we just, all of us have so many different, you know, I have sometimes parents who want us to script out everything for them, and I say, well, you know, I need to know more about the situation because it was, I've, I've had three different discussions with my three different children. I have not had one script for everybody. Well, see, and that's so good for a parent to know that there isn't just one script. So now, okay, so you're available for that. Now, as we kind of wrap up tonight's show, I want to know what do you advise for parents to do to keep their kids safe online? And I'm talking about filtering, um, social media. What would you advise? So filtering, so that depends on what a parent is willing to spend. Now, there are a, a ton of great, great filters out there. Uh, we used to use canine web protection, and that was simply because it was free. Uh, okay. We now use Dis- Disney Circle. We have had a lot of success with that, particularly on our kids' phones, because that's a big problem. You know, cell phones, the technology is so advanced, and it is moving so quickly. We had Net Sanity before. We've had Mama Bear, and those have those have always fallen short. But the Disney Circle, if you pay an extra fee, you also can help monitor your ki- you can monitor your kids on other Wi-Fi networks, whereas most filtering only allows you to monitor on your own on, only on your own Wi-Fi network. Um, we also have an added layer on in our home of OpenDNS.com, so that's a free that's at the router level. So any device that comes into your home, if you allow kids, we typically do not allow kids when they come over to visit to be on their phones at our house. So we do not give the Wi-Fi password out. But if we have an adult or if we're switching up devices, we have our OpenDNS, which, again, protects at the router level. So every device that is in your home. And then there's Disney Circle. Now, when it comes to social media, this you and I could probably do a whole show on just social media because there is so much. I, I sometimes refer to this as the pornography for girls. This is where our girls are being addicted. This is where our girls are having their increased depression, their increased self-harm, their increased body image issues. Um, increased loneliness, all of these things from social media, but it's also where they are being exposed to pornography most of the time, whether that's through Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat particularly. You know, it's there's no way to completely filter social media. There are so many words. They change up the hashtags. They change up the words that they use. You know, if you look up porn on any of these, you're not going to find porn on Instagram if you, like, go hashtag porn. But you look up other hashtags, I mean, I, even the hashtag family, I have seen pornography under. It's ridiculous. 
right? It's, they use different accent marks. They use different um, spellings that are maybe like more European or more Spanish. And then that will, then that will lead you to pornography, right? So there's those discussions. It needs, you need to have very thorough discussions about social media with your kids. You need to be following them. If, if, you're, if they're on, you need to be on. If they're on Snapchat, you need to be on Snapchat and you need to be friends and following with them. Plus you'll also find out how terrible Snapchat is basically if you're on Snapchat. But if they're on Instagram, you need to be aware of all of their accounts. A lot of kids are creating fake accounts these days. You need to figure out how that happens and how to check on those things within your their phones and just be on to, and just continually discussing that with your kids. You know, all the filtering is great, but it is just a Band-Aid, and it's not a substitute for continual discussions with our kids on all of these topics. Oh, I absolutely agree. And just give us 30 seconds as to why you believe Snapchat is really harmful. Well, one, it was created for the sole purpose of collecting nude photos of girls. So right there it was founded with a negative premise. Two, it is where I have seen myself the industry, on porn industry websites, you know, like xbiz.com, where they are teaching pornographers where to go. They are telling their people, go to Snapchat, go to Instagram. And that is because they know that is where our kids are. That is where you, porn stars have their own stuff. They have links to their own porn websites where you can watch them perform a sexual act. And these are dangerous things for our kids. They're also, this is where it's very easy for them to share their own nude photos. There's a ton of underage pornography on Snapchat. So it's a very dangerous app. Well, and initially when Snapchat was developed, these pictures would come online and then they disappeared. And so kids thought they're no longer there, but that was after the um, company was able to gather that information. So Yep. Absolutely. I I am very happy that you understand that, and I, I just wanted you to be able to share that. So now we obviously have to end, and you have made it your mission to educate parents and to encourage them not to be afraid of this topic. So, again, I'm talking with Dina Alexander. She's at www.educate.com empowerkids.org she's available for consultation she's written books that she'd like for you to look at on Amazon and Dina I so appreciate the fact that this wasn't really what you were planning on doing but you listened to your gut and you followed your heart and you're making a real difference in our world thank you so much thank you Carol thanks for having me on Absolutely. As you create new projects, keep me posted. I would love to. Okay. You take care, and let's uh, keep kids safe. Absolutely. Let's do this. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. So that was Dina Alexander, and, again, she has made it her mission to help parents figure out what to do to make a difference in today's world. And, uh, you know, this is an epidemic. You've heard me say it before. I am really concerned. And I want everybody to pay attention and to be able to talk to your kids. You're the parent. You know what to do. I have faith in you. 
So thanks for listening to Carol Jurgensen Sheets, a.k.a. Carol the Coach. And it looks like we have one last question. Hi, can I help you? Hi. And this is Carol the Coach, and we are, are getting you? ready to end the show. And so there will only be one of you at all times. I fearlessly want you to have the courage to be yourself. So that means get educated, take care of you, take care of your families, and take care of the culture by knowing how to address it. And I'll see you next week for more sex help with Carol the Coach. Have a good one.